Thanks as always for listening. Today, Chris and I are going to talk about the challenges a GM and players experience when they're trying to play an original story in a setting that already has a pervasive and deep story, like maybe Lord of the Rings or Star Wars, depending on how you want to look at it. And at the end of the episode, Chris surprised me with this, what I thought was a brilliant potential solution. Thanks for listening to Fluff and Crunch, where we talk about the connection and sometimes disconnect between system, setting, and story in tabletop RPGs. So we're here today to talk about uh, settings and running original stories in existing settings and how that provides opportunities, but also some challenges. And we were just starting to talk about how, like things we've been up to recently. And you said you've been reading some books and then you said, oh my gosh, I can't tell you, but now you stepped in it and now it's being recorded for the internet. So you have to. You literally, you waited until I said, guess what I'm going to do. Oh my goodness. You got Tasha's cauldron of everything. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Because it's not actually what I've been playing, but because over the last week, I combination... that would mean you were playing 5e. Yeah, not yet, but I will be later tonight. Um, a combination of starting to listen to Critical Role, which is also combined with the fact that Legend of whatever it's called, Vox Machina, appeared on uh, Amazon on Friday, has then got me wanting to play more D&D stuff. Because the one thing D&D does do well is is D&D. Um, and does. so there's sometimes it's that kind of, it, it, it's a lot of it's nostalgia, which is funny. A lot, some of the stuff we will talk about today, so that segues quite well, it is nostalgia. Um, but yeah, speaking of more nostalgia, well, on Friday we did actually run our first session of, of Tales from the Loop, the, the role-playing game. Yeah, you mentioned you were going to do that. Which was full of nostalgia. So yeah, we, we sat there and listened to 80s music for the entire evening while um, uh, an okay, 80s... Okay, let me, let me interject with a question. 80s weirdo did stuff. What 80s music did you... Well, I mean, we just let Amazon pick stuff. So we started with 80s pop music, but it kept playing stuff that was pretty not good. So then we switched to 80s rock music. But then Amazon seems to have a very strange idea of what 80s rock music, because there was definitely quite a lot of Phil Collins and Genesis in that, which I would not class as rock. I would say Abacab. Abacab, like really early 80s Genesis, I could deal with. But Phil Collins? Yeah. No. But it was playing, uh, it did It did play Maiden at points. So, and that was Brian's jock character's favorite song was down as a, was Number of the Beast. So and that came up. So, of course. Uh, so, yeah, it was, uh, that was pretty good. Uh, so we had, yeah, we had a good Tales from the Loop sessions. We played the the first adventure that's in the, in the book. Excellent. So that was good. How about you? <laughs> well, we, uh, we picked up with Octone Cthulhu. We're playing, um, what is it? Uh, I think it's Operation Van. Is it Operation Vanguard? What is it? Yeah. Anyway, we're playing the adventure that's that takes place in a uh, a fictitious Dutch town, where uh, Nachtwulfa troops are mucking about with the uh, Deep Ones, and so uh, we got through into the second act of that three act um, adventure. It went well. It went well. Uh, you know, it's tough. I mean, you, you you start off and you have players with new characters and you're playing them through different adventures, whether published or not or whatever. And it, there's that time, there's that, that that lag where people are developing their characters. 
and they're figuring out like you make your character and you say this is who my character is but then it takes time as you play the character to actually work out who that character is and how they act or maybe how they talk what they do in different circumstances so on and so forth um so we're moving along with that it was good and i um I set up a bunch of stuff on my table and I have like this, you know, the cover over the recessed play area so I can set up things and then cover it up and then ooh, surprise, open it up. <laughs> and of course, players, since players, they always take forever to do the the, the smallest things. Um, they want to investigate everything. Uh, I didn't get to that. So I'll get to that next week. I think the Tales of the Movie, I'd read it and I thought this is not going to take very long at all. So when we were just kind of not making a very quick start, I wasn't bothered because I was like, there's, there's literally sort of, there's about four locations in it and then there's some downtime bits in between. Um, but I didn't really go. So it was like literally a start of it, right? Because the book said, right, ask where they are and what they're doing in their sort of their normal everyday lives before the adventure stuff kicks off. That's a perfect example of somewhere, you know, that it's a, it is a setting. It is a setting you can role play in. You don't have to worry about the, the official story. Um, you can very easily just go, yep, yeah, we're playing Tales in the Loop. There's a load of stuff there. There's adventure. You can just run. Um, and that's our first thing we said, isn't it? We're going to look at other ones where the setting is so, either the setting is so big or the setting doesn't have key storylines that you can role play in that setting without having to worry too much about, you know, like the main story. Yeah. That's our starting point, right? Yeah, no, and I, I, you had broken it down into, you know, <clears throat> there, you have settings where there is a story but it the story that that is when we say the story like if it's a movie or if it's if it's from a tv series or a, a book or a comic book series the story that's presented in those isn't so overwhelming and pervasive that it it, it doesn't get in the way of you running other stories but you still fit within the setting because i think that's the challenge is how do you run how do you run original stories within the setting they make it feel like the setting if the story is so connected to the setting. And you also said that there are, there are some settings where the world is, the story's world changing, but there are maybe gaps or time periods or maybe places where you could run a, um, an original story that wouldn't uh, bump up against or break or whatever the existing story. And then you had, I think where it's most difficult is where the setting and the story are, are so, so tightly integrated that it could present challenges uh, to running running an original story. So where do you want to start? Do you want to start at the less or the more difficult per I hour? We'll, I think we'll start at the, the easier one first, because it's yeah. mostly kind of given the kind of thing we're talking about. So like I'd suggested, I mean, this is bad. There's, there's two examples. One I came up with, one you came up with, which are sort of bad examples in that they were actually both role-playing campaigns. So I'd put Forgotten Realms uh, and you'd put Cyberpunk. Now in both of those cases, those are originally role-playing settings mm -hmm. which then had stories put into them and because of that you know in those cases well yeah there is a ton you know the forgotten realms yes there have been points where they did world changing stuff but that's usually every time a new edition comes out yeah and in between those editions you could just play in the forgotten realms play where you want you don't have to you know maybe you will or won't meet elminster or drizzt or whatever but nothing that was going on was was totally dominating your story. So you could play in those places perfectly happy because it's, it's, those were setting first. They weren't yeah. stories. Yeah. Um, and I guess you, you mentioned, you know, and I in specifically cyberpunk 2020, you know, cyberpunk 2020 has, um, 
it has a story. If there, if there is one story that arches or arcs over the, the thing, it's, I would say it's the corporate wars, especially the fourth corporate war, which comes at the end of the cyberpunk 2020 timeline, but you know, big deal. Uh, you could, you could ignore that completely or have that happening elsewhere. And it doesn't, it doesn't get in the way. And I agree about the uh, it's interesting that, you know, forgotten realms has become a, I guess, for lack of a better word, like a literary setting, because there are so many books. And as you know, as they reboot settings and things like that, uh, reboot the setting for editions, that changes things. But it's still in its bones. It was a setting. It was a yeah. gaming setting. I, I think we could agree. We, we would put, although it is a very f- well fleshed out setting, we put Star Trek here, too. Yeah, I would. I mean, again, because we've got even if we've got time periods, the, the good thing about way Star Trek is that the original series is it's the voyages of the Enterprise. There's a whole bunch of other stuff happening in that world at the same time. Same with Next Generation. I mean, even though there was a whole kind of thing, you know, that they were at peace with the Klingons, but they were at verge with the Republic. And, you know, it, literally, I think if, if you take seven series of Next Generation, the only really big thing that happens in seven series is probably the Borgs attacking, you know, in yeah. Federation space. But essentially they attack, they are defeated, and they run away. And so you, that, that's it. But you kind of the other stuff, there's a, there's a whole world there to play in. Um, obviously, Deep Space Nine does a lot more because you have got an issue kind of if you run before Deep Space Nine, the wormhole doesn't exist. If you mm-hmm. run during Deep Space Nine, the wormhole does exist. I believe after Deep Space Nine, did it, I'm not quite sure, did it stop existing or it changes that way? It, it changes, yeah. And then there's the other thing of, you know, if you go uh, up to Star Trek Nemesis, the last of the next generation movies, which actually takes place several years after the last Borg incursion and the um, the Dominion War, when you know the Romulan government kind of collapses in yeah. a way. That's that's like six or seven years later. Yeah. So there's so you're right. There are gaps. I mean, we have over a century actually with Enterprise, which I prefer not to mention, and I'm not going to mention the other one. It's not going to do it. You know, you've got centuries worth of time. And you have this massive galaxy, and it's a setting that's based originally in episodic storytelling. Yeah. So, yeah, it, that's an easy one to plug in and not feel like you're hemmed in by the by the story. So, I mean, jumping off the back of that, your episodic thing, Conan is another property that very much totally. you can play whenever. I mean, for a start, when the books, I haven't written all of them, read all of them, but when, the, when the, he was writing the short stories and writing the stories, they weren't necessarily in, in time order anyway. He starts off being, you know, a king and then it jumps back to when he's much younger and then he, and he jumps around all the time. It was, you know, these were stories with Conan, you know, whether they were in which order and that kind of thing, that didn't matter. He was telling stories of Conan being in the world. So other than the fact that a particular point in time, Conan is in a particular country, that's it. There, that is just a massive play set there, which is, a very well-described setting. Modifius have done a great job of giving us all these books. They've told us what Conan's up to at various points and what he's like. But other than that, that is just a setting you can play in. And there's stories in there, but those stories don't, you know, those stories don't really matter. You really can't even plug in for Conan's, you know, I, they have things in the books like this, but I don't, I don't even feel close to beholden to it, like some kind of a firm timeline. Yeah. You know, you find things like that for Star Trek, down to the month or day or there's nothing like that. I mean, Conan was just, if you go back to its bones, 
whatever Howard, if, like I always say, if, if he wanted to write like Conan the badass and, you know, Conan the middle manager, whatever. I mean, he's just writing Conan the whatever. And, it, and there's just no rhyme or reason to it. So you're not wedded to anything. I don't, and I think that's the, that's the big thing is for me, if I'm going to run something in an established setting, I want to do justice to the tropes and the core of that setting. Otherwise, why play in that setting? Like yeah. why, why utilize that setting unless you're going to utilize that which makes that setting unique and uh, and noteworthy. Yeah. So I've got well, two more two more here that you're not familiar. One is actually another different one, Infinity, um, and then I've got League of Legends. Both of these kind of share things: the fact that these are not settings with stories in at all. These are settings that really exist in another, almost another form of media. You know, Infinity was designed to be the background for a miniatures war game. I think yeah. at points, you know, the original creators may have played role playing settings in it, but you know, that's how it got to the public. It got to the public and it was a miniatures war game. So funnily enough, you have different factions that all have reasons to want to fight each other. I mean, Diffies are fleshed out with the permission of Corvus Belli, the, the various worlds. But at the end of the day, there is just, you know, there is well, there is one main story thing that happens, which was the introduction of sort of, of like a whole extra alien race. But other than that, mostly it is just stuff happening. And again, there are there are some story and there's one big story thing that happened, which essentially broke one of the factions in two, but that's the kind of thing. And that, that was done for the purposes of selling more miniatures, right? How can we sell more miniatures? We'll have this faction split in two because we can't create a new planet um, right now that, 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 you know, all that matters then when you're playing in that kind of thing, well, are you playing pre that or are you playing post that? That would matter okay. or you could play during it, but it's not like, that is going to affect the kind of thing you're doing. And at League of Legends, again, very similarly, it's a game that was designed to sell, in this case, you know, little pixelated characters uh, on your <laughs> on your on your game. And so there are the main thing there is there the world is more fleshed out now through various other games, but there's a massive world in there. And really the only thing is, is do, are you going to bump into these characters? What characters would be there? You know, like once a year maybe there's a a big thing that happens. But actually that made it easy for me to role play. Last year I was able to take the story they had done. And I ran Mika and Annie through that story. So they got to see the story that I'd played in the game. And I ran them through a version of, of that story because it wasn't as in, written in stone. It was a, you played through it as a, as a player. So that was easy to kind of piggyback on the back of that. Um, you know, they've recently had a TV series on Netflix. You couldn't really, that, that story doesn't massively change things. It's got bits, but that's only for that one little one town. It's a big part of the world, but it's one. At the end of the day, it's one city. The rest of the world, there's other stuff going on. So again, there's a big mm -hmm. enough setting there that you can play around it because there are stories there and there are things that are happening, but you can ignore it. You can be somewhere else or not worry about it or be up and falling down. There's enough, there's so much other place to play in. So yeah, well, I'll throw one last into this category and that's Traveler. And I know you're you're not that familiar with Traveler, are you? Other than it's, it's in yeah. space. <laughs> it's in space, yeah. I mean, Traveler is, it, it, it's so massive. And the source material is so massive. That is the amount of stuff that is available for it. But the vast majority of it is, is really what I would just call source book or um, resource stuff. Like, like, okay, here's a sector of X many worlds. And here's the code for each world that tells you like what kind of economy it has and what kind of a government has, but there's no detail about it. 
Like how, what's its hydrosphere? It's 60 something percent water. Okay. That's nice. Like there's no, there are no details. There's a lot, a lot of source material, but if you're not familiar with Traveler, Traveler's hyperspace mechanic is very slow. And so there's, there's nothing like Star Wars or Star Trek where you're, you know, jetting, you know, incalculable distances in, in short periods of time to get from one side of known space to the other in the fastest ship there is, is going to take you a year or more or, you know, probably two years or something like that. And it, it's more of like an age of sail in space uh, sort of arrangement. And so even when they do, when they have, and they do publish, uh, you know, large adventure campaigns that span a sector and multiple worlds, well, that's just one cluster of 10 or 15 worlds out of thousands that are cataloged that you can buy books with thousands of, you know, codes of all these different planets and systems. And so, um, yeah, I don't, there's, you know, Traveler has a ridiculous amount of what you might call canon, but, um, but it's just so massive. But now what about, I, and I like this because it's easy to sketch out uh, the extremes of a, of a thing, but it's that midpoint where it gets a little fuzzy. And you said a setting where the story is world changing, uh, but there are gaps or time periods. And I, and I, I agree. I don't, I don't actually think, I don't think Star Trek fits into that. I think Star Trek is, is easier, but what kinds of things would you say fit into this category, this mid ground? I mean, since you've just said Star Trek, um, Star Wars is one of the best examples that, that we would have of this because obviously, you know, every, in all of the Star Wars trilogies, massive, big world change and stuff happens. You know, in the original series, we start off with a status quo. There is the empire, the empire of bad, Buhis, And then by the end of Return of the Jedi, the empire has been overthrown, or at least we think we have, if we kind of, if you read books or we look at TV series, it probably hasn't, it's been like the emperor is dead, but I don't think the empire is gone kind of thing. But essentially that's why that's a massive change. It's gone from the empire is big and all, you know, all pervasive and they're really evil and they're everywhere to they're not like that anymore. And again, if we go to the original trilogy, we it, there's a big change from there's the Republic and everything's at peace. And then there's a massive galactic war through the next two films or by the end of between the second and third one. Um, and then at the end of that, the Republic is gone and the empire is in its place. Um, and then in the third one, not very clear. There may have been a Republic at the start of it, but it's not clear because it gets wiped out right at the start of the first film. Um, but again, there's, you know, eventually the empire and then the empire is decided. So pretty much all of them, it, it changes from, you know, good to bad or bad to good. But there's a lot of leeway in that because, for example, in, in, in pretty much both all versions of the role-playing games, although actually Saga did a better version, and here's lots of other settings you can play in there with time periods, but the generally accepted one of the original role-playing games that you were going to role-play between New Hope and Empire. Now, you only actually had about sort of three years to play with there. Right. But that was the idea. If you play in that period, um, you, you know the Death Star has been destroyed, but the Empire is still at large. So if you're playing as Rebellion, this is what's happening. If you're, you know, if you're just a smuggler, then it doesn't matter. And so if you were playing kind of the Rebellion side of it, it very mattered which time period you go. You could go sort of, essentially, you could go in the period between the prequels and the original trilogy, um, you could play during the original trilogy because they have strange time gaps in it. Uh, you could play between the the original trilogy and um, and the sequel trilogy. That's the hardest time period to play in because we don't fully know what happens in a huge chunk of that. We did originally when they wrote the books and then they said none of those books counted. So no. But that stuff's still out here. You could play in all that. Yeah, and I think that's one of the big dividers 
that's a that's your your split. Do you accept do yeah. you accept Disney's definition of canon or do you do you take your own? And yeah. you know, I personally would put Star Wars a little farther up the ladder towards story and setting really tightly integrated and and I think that's more of a personal thing because for me unless there's an empire and there's some struggle against it it's not star wars like that's i remember cool. when edge of the empire from ffg came out and i mean i had had the the uh, west end version the d6 version i got the original book when it first came out like i think the first day it came out in 1987 i got that and and had a bunch of the books for it and still have some of them. And, and I really like that version. And that sits right where the original assumption, the original assumed time frame in canon was, and also brought in to, uh, to play all those different novels that now Disney says don't exist. And I got Edge of the Empire, and I just remember reading through it and feeling like, I feel like Star Wars. Like there's, you know, I'm paging through it. I'm like, I'm going to get arrested. I'm not going to, I'm not, ah, oh, this is, uh, this is boring. I just didn't. And I had soured on the system by the time Age of Rebellion came out. And so I have the beta version of that, but I don't, I've, I've actually never played that full version. See, that's where we differ because to me, Star Wars is, the Empire and the and the Rebellion or whatever is part of it. But I've always liked the the seedy underbelly. So Edge of the Empire was spot on for me. Because mm. when I first, when I used to play, well, run um West End games, Star Wars, I, my players were smugglers. Okay. They were smugglers or mercenaries or bounty hunters. So actually it didn't really matter. Like the Empire was there and they were a pain because if you did things, the Empire would come after you, but they would come after you because you were breaking the law. They were just you but they were basically the cops in any other yeah. setting, the town guard and so on. Um, and I've played kind of maybe running with a more Jedi character and then running away from sort of Inquisitors or, you know, it's it Sith and so on, which you can run pretty much wherever you want. Um, and again, that didn't need there to be an Empire or Republic. So actually Edge of the Empire coming out was like, well, this is great. This is this is the Star Wars I want to play in. Which is why at the moment the Star Wars we're seeing on the TV, which you haven't watched, like you know, Mandalorian has been two series of uh, a bounty hunter guy and actually there has been the empire in the back and he has spent a lot of time fighting the empire but he's not fighting the empire because he wants to overthrow it he's fighting the empire because well, he's trying to do stuff and the empire are kind of messing him about or they have a plan and you know he's he's you know the guy is not he's he's not a rebel he's just in a situation where the empire becomes his that you know they're the there is anti they're the yeah. antagonist but that's not because of who he is, you know, it's because I, of what he's doing. I will accept that because that, that actually makes sense. My view then of, of Star Wars being more difficult to, to separate, to, to have a big enough gap between the established story and the setting, that gap is more a personal preference thing. I mean, it, than, than actually what's available out there. Um, it's a big galaxy. There's lots of things that you could do. And, uh, and especially if you take into account the West End stuff, which is still out there. Um, yeah. you can, you can do a lot. I want to talk about Lord of the Rings because that's a tough one for me. That's a really tough one. I mean, again, I, I so this isn't one I've played a lot in. I just, there are essentially, it's my thing that the time gap, the gap between, if you go in like that gap between the Hobbit and the Lord of the Rings is, I mean, I've, I've put 50 years, but I think it's actually longer than that because I can't. It's somewhere. It's like, it's like a. Upwards it's of like, a human life. It's more than you're going to play a campaign. If you want to start right. a campaign straight after the events of The Hobbit, 
then there is, you know, there is still stuff there. The Witch King must exist because he pops up in The Hobbit. Well, he does in the films. Um, so, you know, the bad guys are there and there are orcs there, Masson and Saruman's probably already being a bit dodgy, just not super obviously dodgy. So there are bad people around there. And at the same time, there are good people. I, I think my one concern of Lord of the Rings running that period is that maybe there's a lack of sort of narrative things happening. It's very... There's subtle stuff. And if you're wanting big stuff to happen for your campaign, then now you have a problem. Let's see here for me is here's where the trouble is with Lord of the Rings. And you're right. You know, there is, I think it's like 50, 60, something like that years between the two. The, the problem for, for me is that again, it back to my, the, my comment about how much, how much space can you wedge between the setting as created and the story that's weaved that either sits on top of it or is weaved through it. And the problem for me with even those years is that where are the problems coming yeah. from? Yeah. They're coming from those primary antagonists who are central to the overarching gener centuries long storyline. And so like I, I had picked up several years ago when um, cubicle seven had the license to do the five E Lord of the Rings books. And I picked up some of those and, and I thought they were pretty good. I, I actually liked the character classes, what they did to kind of dumb down or tone down rather the magic. Um, I thought that the treasure hunter, I think that's what it was called. Not a burglar, um, but that's essentially what it was, was a neat spin on a, um, on a rogue, on a thief. Uh, I thought that was pretty cool. Uh, there were a lot of neat things and I really liked the journeys system in that. I don't know if you're familiar with this, this one at all, but well, I, I hadn't, I hadn't ever looked at the 5e stuff, but I did buy the actual, what, the one ring system that okay. then got turned into that. And obviously that's where the journey, like the, that was a huge chunk. Yeah, of it. yeah. The, the whole idea about it was about sort of the journey and going on epic journeys more than the anything Well, I else thought it was, it, it's a, it was a nice mechanic to, to yeah. account for not, you know, don't have like this tedious, okay, we're going to, you're going to go from X to Y and it's going to take you two weeks on the road and, blah, you know, you're going to have some stupid pointless encounters or if you're ten, Paizo. Ten wandering monsters. Yeah, everything has to contribute to your experience hall lest you're not allowed to level. Silliness like that. But um, I, <clears throat> the trouble that I had with it was, again, everything in those stories was in some way or another directly relatable. There was a, there was a direct narrative string that went back to one of those antagonists. And I felt like I was, um, I felt like I was staying in, I, I felt like I was watching someone else's house and the furniture wasn't quite where I wanted it. But even if I were to move the furniture back, I, that's still not cool. You don't move someone else's furniture around when you're watching their house. At least I don't think so. And I, I always felt like that. And the other thing too, that, and I think this was actually more of a system issue is that at its core, even if you tone down the magic and character classes, there are things about 5e, there are things about D&D &D that, that set the foundation for powerful characters and like high adventure type stuff. And that's outside of the some of the action in the books and the fanfic that the three-part Hobbit turned into, uh, those movies, uh, <laughs> that's really not Lord of the Rings. Like I always have thought it's fascinating that so much of D&D back in the 70s and early 80s was built on Lord of the Rings lore, that the idea, but that the high adventure that D&D provides and has for a long time isn't really Tolkien. Um, no, I think uh, 
kind of like what I said there is that there is this big 50 year gap you can playing sure. and there is a set in there. Is there anything actually interesting happening in that time period? Probably not. And well, actually you really can't have any kind of wizards running around. So there's not really any magic mm-hmm. in that system. No. Um, and you know, there's no, there's maybe, I don't know, skirmishes, but I don't think there's massive on wars or maybe there was in Gondor, but I think, you know, you, you either have to just kind of go, right, well, we're not going to worry about messing things up. And we're just going to do what we want to, in which case you're probably running D&D anyway, or it is very low key and it is, you know, more of a survival game, um, which is the minute I say survival game, why I'm not surprised that uh, Free League have picked it up. Right, right. <laughs> it's a survival game, Free League then. That's what they do. They do, uh, muted, they do muted watercolors and they do survival mechanics. That is, And they do them very well. Tales from the Loop really doesn't fit in with their other games. Mm. It is not a survival game. Oh, it I've... is not. It is not kind of subtle. It is a bit more colorful than it. But actually, even the, you know, even the adventures still are. I am curious. Um, I, let me let me say this. I, I am curious about what they're doing with. And I almost backed the One Ring, the the new version. I didn't. Uh, of course, you did. But uh, I am curious how the mechanics are and how how adventures are are presented i mean i i think you know like amazon's coming out with the series lord of the rings series whatever yeah. it's called and that's in the second age yeah so and, and i don't know i'm a i have read the hobbit that's it i've watched the movies <clears throat> i've seen the cartoons i i have not read any oh, other tolkien cartoon wow yeah that epic so i good. have not read any any like you know the silmarilli i haven't read any of that stuff I haven't read the actual Lord of the Rings trilogy. Call me a, you know, heretic or something. But so I don't know, like, how much is actually out there that defines, say, the second age? I don't think there's a lot. So I guess that's part of why they've done it. Maybe so, like, Amazon decided that they could, that there wasn't enough to play so in between the, the Hobbit and Lord of the Rings. The so question is, like, you know, how much of that is, well, I mean, I, I guess you could, you could put, you could run adventures in another age and just, you know, riff off that which that which is. But like I said, during the third age, I just have a really hard time because I, I just don't see how you can, <clears throat> unless you go to a faraway land, and then the question is, are you just playing D&D? Yeah, I think it, you know, if you kind of look at, if Lord of the Rings, you can actually go, right, it's, it's not so much about good and evil. It's about the journey. Hence why we keep seeing these journey rules in it because all of the main things have this big, you know, a Hobbit goes from place A to place B and that's what the game is. But surely after a while, that's going to get tiresome. I don't know if you, I, I haven't read the role-playing games in detail to know how to, I remember getting the role-playing game, look at it and thinking this isn't, this is interesting. It's a clever idea. I'm not sure it's going to be that much fun. Um, but then again, fantasy is an awkward one because I've just had so many years of, you know, reading D and D books and the idea of how D and D works. That when I try and picture kind of any kind of fantasy that isn't sort of D and D style, it's quite difficult at times. Um, all right, let's have a look at some other ones. So yeah. kind of not not too far off um, off the kind of the fancy vibe is that you'd put um, you'd put uh, Avatar, so the Last Airbender. Have you watched the the second one? Have you watched Korra? I did. Well, I didn't watch all of it. Um, I, I've watched all of the original series probably twice, and I, I don't know what percentage. Of, I watched 
I think I watched enough of Korra spread throughout or saw enough of it that I I yeah. I kind of got it. Because I think that's both of those are good examples of where they have massively world-changing stories. Yes. You know, the, at the start of at the start of sort of Ang's story, the Fire Nation is everywhere. And by the end of that, Fire Nation still exists, but it's not in charge anymore. Oh, and it and it, uh, you know, its nature has changed yeah. dramatically. Um, and then again in Korra, when it starts off, there's kind of this nominally peace and then kind of pretty much the probably the first two series no, where there's a big kickoff is when the sort of the spirits release into the world and start causing all kinds of trouble and then there are massive wars then to do it to do with the end of that but again it's you kind of in both of those you're talking maybe like a year of a massive war or big things kicking off but outside of that there's still a lot of other things. And actually, unlike maybe Lord of the Rings, where in Lord of the Rings to me, outside of that big wall that kind of you just said, that's where all the excitement is. And kind of outside of that, you have to feel that maybe that not that huge amount is happening. I feel like the Airbender set, which I have to say, I don't know enough about. You know, I've, I've watched all of it. But even having watched all of that, I don't feel like I could play a game in it. Um, I definitely feel like, you know, there is enough stuff going on there with you know, new kinds of bending appear because it's certainly in Cora, they just started throwing new kinds of bending like left, right, and center. Right. Um, and you know, almost like kind of retcon bag. Oh, this guy's been in prison for 50 years. Right. And now all of a sudden we, we justify you know, that. So that, that's the kind of, you know, they've set that press and have just been able to throw things out. You know, the monsters just turn up at a time, you know, a, a monster in a, in the avatar world is right. We take one animal and we take another animal. We stick them together like this. Well, that was like old D and D too. Yeah. yeah. I think with Avatar, you could, I mean, if you were happy enough, if for you, the 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 non-negotiable, I mean, you know, we talked about the idea of what are the non-negotiables of a of a setting. We talked about that several episodes ago uh, for modifications and hacks. I think if for you a a largely rural setting with uh with airbending, or not airbending, sorry, with bending magic. If that's yeah. if that to you is Avatar, you know you could run something that would be. Uh, it sounds to me like, you know, D and D, albeit with bending magic and a and a and a slight everyone's, everyone's playing a monk and a slightly hodgepodge Asian-ish kind of backdrop yeah. um, with you know kindly murder hobos who who bend. I th I think there's there's a reason there's enough of a set in there that you could play in it and have fun in it. Um, I think the biggest you would have is if you want to play an Airbender, you basically have to play in Cora's time period, right? Because sort of Cora and her friends go and find a bunch of find more Airbenders. So that kind of said there were Airbenders were out there that were not part of sort of Ang's family, um, but. It's very much that. If it's kind of like if you're playing an airbender in Ang's time period, it's like playing a Jedi in Star Wars during right. like the original thing. There were, you know, well, you, you have to be, we, oh, I've done not discovered my powers. Oh, I wasn't power. You know, you have to come up with reasons for why this, you know, in both of those, we have a last Jedi and we have, uh, you know, we, we had we had no Jedi and we have the last airbender. Suddenly, like, uh, well, oh, he wasn't the last. Oh, no. There's there's not an asterisk right yeah. there. Yeah, well, you know what it is? That's the kind of stuff that when you're 12, you you find ways to be perfectly okay with that kind of stuff and having a pet dinosaur who, like, does your bidding. That's you know, that's good. when you're, that works. But yeah, I, I think, I think that's problematic. You're right. I think that if you want to, for me, again, 
you want to, if you're going to play in an established setting, you play in an established setting because you want to utilize the things that make the setting special. And if all of a sudden there's another airbender, well, <laughs> well, Ang was the last airbender. I was the next to last airbender. Yeah. That's just, I think I don't the way know, you can spin that, that the, the important thing about and wasn't necessarily the fact that he was the last airbender, it's the fact that he was the avatar. Him being the yeah, avatar the is, is the big deal. Yeah. So, he just happened to also be the last airbender, but then a bunch more turn up eventually. It's just sort of an amount you know, of time I think, later. I don't, and, and I don't know what exists out there in terms of stories about that world that that talk about before the Fire Nation came, like before everything went sideways, um, before Ang got frozen in a, in you know in a snowball and all that stuff. <laughs> Say a century before that, like. Yeah. Um, when some, you know, some of the other avatars that pop up and talk to him, avatars mm. long since deceased uh, in that original series. I mean, I don't know what stories exist, if any, that talk about those time periods. So I think you could easily set something in those earlier periods and then you have access to all the different kinds of, well, at least the four, you know, call them traditional benders. Uh, and then I don't feel like you would you could break anything. Actually, if you want to, you, maybe you set a, set a campaign that's like a few centuries before the last Airbender series. And then if you, as GM, you know, if you sprinkled some foreshadowing about how like the Fire Nation was kind of slowly drifting in this, you know, Emperor Palpatine kind of yeah. direction, uh, that might be cool, actually. I mean, it's it's a similar thing. With, it's kind of what we say, actually, in all of these. If you want to play in this setting, either find a gap where they're not affected by the story or go way, way one way or the other in time. And actually, Star Wars, the same thing's been done when Bioware wanted to do a, a, a massive Star Wars role-playing game. They did Knights of the Old Republic. They went, you know, hundreds way or thousands of years in past because there was nothing written about that. They could stick with the, right, we're going to have Jedi, we're going to have Sith, we're going to throw in these Mandalorian guys. That's really just one guy in a suit, but we're going to make it a whole thing. Um, yeah. And you know, and they turn it into a whole massive, big setting. Which, um, when Wizards of the Coast, you know, one of the books they did was the was the Old Republic setting, because then you could play in that. Although, ironically, that then had a really solid story, which was really hard to avoid. But you know, same principle. Um, yeah. So we came up with a few more of these. I'll throw the look at the two. Uh, these two very, very different property again, modifious ones. Uh, one I'd meant to was John Carter which I think part of the reason I've never run it is that, you know, I read through all the novels and that was one I've kind of did feel that you can play in, because it says in the role-playing game, you know, there are points you can play in the John Carter of Mars things where he's, you know, he's, he's in, he's on Mars and he's become king or prince or whatever he is. Uh, yeah. And he's there and kind of nothing happens for a gone. You can play in that kind of time period, but there are lots of them, but then he disappears. Um, and, you know, then other things kick off. So there's bits of that. that I, I've a lot to me is kind of what you've said about what you felt about Star Wars. John Carter to me isn't John Carter without John Carter being the main character. So, and also, you know, he's the only in all of his stories, he's the only human. I know that then there's another human, I think, that appears. Right. But to then something out, there's more humans. At least, though, in the books, they're explicit about, I believe it's three main time periods yeah. that the that the stories took place. So they 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 make an effort to try to explain, you know, how how could you do this either with John Carter as a player character uh, or John Carter not at all. I, you know, I haven't played it because 
I still can't quite get my header. It's so strange. And me and call that like maybe that's on me, I think, because we live in this age where fantasy is fantasy and sci-fi is sci-fi. And I think there's yeah. this for, for fans, there's this baked in, there's this invisible barrier between the two. And there's a there's something about John Carter that's just it's so before from before all of those divisions and those uh those barriers, it's just so such a strange setting in a cool way. Yeah. Um but I'm just taking my time reading it and enjoying this stuff. But yeah, I, I think that especially since those three time periods, though, you can find gaps between them, but they're not that far apart. No. And big story things happen in each of them. So uh, that could be a, that could be a, a, a challenge. Yeah. I think I, I would struggle to run, know what to do in that myself. Luckily, they have published adventures that I could run. And it's the kind of thing where if someone turned around to me and said, I've just watched the John Carter film again, or I read the books. I really want to play in that world. It looks like it would be fun for a role-playing game. And I go, I have a role-playing game for that. Um, I think the other one would be that if I then, if me Granny decided again they wanted to play Flash Gordon, I wouldn't run it in Savage Worlds, where, oh, I'm not joking, the first encounter in the, the role-play, in the adventure that I had for Savage Worlds, they couldn't damage the creatures that attacked them because their toughnesses were too high. This was the first thing they had to fight, and the, the system broke straight away. John Carter is perfect I, for Flash exactly. Gordon. So I would just run it in Flash Gordon. I would, t- I would take the idea of the adventures from the Savage World stuff, because there's nothing wrong with their ideas. It's the execution of the system I've had an issue with. Um, I've got two more I'd thrown up here. One is Dishonored, because, again, it's a Modiphius thing. You said you'd like know very little. I, I've played bits of both games, but in both cases, it's the setting's kind of cool. It's sort of semi-steampunky. They call it something else, but it's essentially, it's kind of a, you know, steampunk type fantasy setting. But in in both cases of the games I've played, it's a very key story. Like in the first one, the, the, this character is set up, you know, like a murder he doesn't commit. And then things happen in the second one. It's like the, the princess and she's trying to do something. So the story is very, very important to, to the actual, you know, what goes on. And this is another example. Like I said, for John Carter, I could manage it because... They have published adventures of this. For Dishonored, they haven't. One of my criticisms of the Dishonored role-playing game is actually I think it does a very good job of replicating the Dishonored games, but I have no idea what to do in that world. Right. You without, just have that one book. Yeah, without with that one book. If, if they wrote some adventures or something, because there's not a lot. It's kind of like I said to you about Acton Cthulhu. There's like sort of little droplets of ideas and stuff, and at least then I can tag it onto World War II and come up with some basic things. Um, but I wish there was more like an adventure creator. I wish Dishonored had, like a lot mm. of other Modiphius games have got, I wish it had an adventure generator because yeah. I genuinely have very little idea to know what to do. I know what happens in the two Dishonored games. I don't know how to turn that into a story of stuff that's got, I just, and from the book, I just couldn't, I'm sure if I read the book in detail, um, I'd find like little story hints there and there, but you know, I wanted something obvious. I like the kind of thing, you know, this is what the adventurers can do. They can do this, 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 or this. And um, I, yeah, and I find from that kind of approach, you you end up coming up with ideas that you get inspired by it. But yeah, I and I I haven't read it, so I don't. I mean, and, and I've read the back of it, I've read about it, but other than that, I don't know. I don't know anything about it. Uh, so what's the ones we've got here? This was <laughs> you had one more on. You had one more on here, and that's Marvel. <laughs> and this is where we will stop at a cliffhanger. We ended up talking for about 80 minutes, and even with editing, 
it got down to about 77 minutes. And I just thought that's way too long for a single episode. So we're splitting this one in half. So here we're stopping at this forced cliffhanger of Chris about to talk about his thoughts on Marvel. And we'll spend most of that second part talking about that most difficult situation where the setting and the story are almost indistinguishable. So thanks for listening. Look forward to part two next week. Thank you so much for listening. You can visit our show's homepage at anchor.fm slash fluff and crunch. That's F-L-U-F-F-N-C-R-U-N-C-H. We would really appreciate feedback and reviews on whatever podcasting platform you're listening to this on. Thanks so much.